right, guys, welcome to Pulse to the Wall. Today is Friday, the second to last day of Freedom Fest, and today we are joined by uh, Tamina Debezorgi of Young Voices. Tamina, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. How are you? Not too bad. And just to be clear, I did get that that right. Yes, you I'm, did. I shouldn't be intimidated. You've made it clear that it's like it's just how it looks. So I think it's I think it's all right. So. Yeah, you did a great job pronouncing it. Awesome. And then <laughs> we're joined by Tyler as well. So. Um, Tamara, we'll start with uh, your backstory. Like you, you are an immigrant from Iran. So can you just give us your your backstory as long as it takes, or as little you as you want? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I moved to the United States uh, back in uh, 2015 on Fourth of July, uh, which is actually an interesting date. I didn't plan it; just happened. Um, and um, before that, I lived, as you said, in Iran, and life was not like what it is here. Um, growing up there as a woman. Um, I couldn't live like woman here. I was not able to choose what to wear. I was not able to choose what I wanted to study because the government extremely limits which majors women can go and study in. Um, and I could not choose uh, which religion I wanted to practice. Uh, I would be prosecuted if I wanted to go outside of the you know, Shiism, although my family is not really religious, but I was curious to learn about other religions. There were just absolutely no way for me to do that. Sure, yeah. Um, government was extremely oppressive in, in the sense of a couple times I've witnessed people getting beaten up right in my street when I was like teenager. I saw a young boy getting shoved into a police car. Um, I watched the police shooting at people, killing them in the streets. and. Witnessing all of that made me realize there's there should be more to life than this. So that's why I decided to come to America to actually reach, find the American dream and whatever that meant to me at the time. And when I first moved here, it was pretty difficult as an immigrant. However, knowing that in America I could have life, liberty and pursuit of happiness made it all worth it. All the difficulties to be here as an Iranian immigrant was all worth it. That's that's amazing. Um, I, I've I've known one person that was also an immigrant from Iran, but he moved when he was five. So it's like growing up until you're an adult. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. So I mean, um, uh, Tyler, do you want to take it from there on following up with that? So it, this all this stuff happened like in broad daylight, like it was just a kind of a commonplace activity. So um, I don't know if you guys remember 2009 when there was a green movement going on in Iran. Um, there, at at that period of time, there was extreme um, extreme oppression going on just in daily basis. I could see police cars all over the city for like a very long time, way after the protests, and. Um, Everything else that I mentioned, that woman could not be able to choose what mm -hmm. they wear. I had to wear a headscarf. If I, you know, showed my hair in the public, the police would beat me up. And just let me be clear, people are not like that. Iranian people are mm -hmm. extremely educated. They understand what it means to be free. Um, let me tell you, the Islamic Republic of Iran is not really a legitimate government. It has only been there for the past 40 years. Before that, Iran was an extremely progressive country. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's people don't remember how it feels like to live a normal life. Yeah. Um, and another thing that people don't really um, think about all the time is that Iran is, is a pretty socialist country. It's moving towards that direction. It has a, uh, the government controls most of the economy. People are not really able to 
you know, choose um, if they want to start business is very difficult. There are a lot of regulations. Right, right. There's a lot of social spending. Uh, the oil is nationalized, so the money goes straight into the government's pockets, and they use that money to go against their own people. So it's it's a messy situation. And it made life very difficult for people like me, young age, that we wanted to have a future. You know, no one wants to leave everything they love behind. Right. It's it's difficult, but at, at some point you realize. I want to pursue my dreams, and my government doesn't allow me to do so. What, what is your? Uh, what was your path out of the country and immigrating to the U.S.? Because it, I mean, it sounds like you like you grew up speaking English, obviously, right? I mean, so I love learning languages. So yeah, okay. well, I mean, is that is that the case? Did you like were your parents bilingual and like you also? Okay, so what was your? What was your path like out of the country, and is that like a really difficult process? Do they want to stop that? Yeah, so it is a very difficult process. Um, my parents are bo both very educated people. My dad was a professor; he's a scientist. So uh, we had to go through a lot of processes to come to United States legally with green card, merit-based green card. Right. So that took us many years, a lot of money, a lot of lawyers, mm -hmm. and uh, we were finally able to do that. And, and it really makes me upset to watch a lot of politicians who don't really understand how immigration system works. Yeah. They just want to gut the legal immigration process for people like my family. Right. And they don't understand that there are many people out there that have all the qualifications to contribute to the American economy. But with the current laws that exist there, they're just not able to get through the process. Yes. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, my first jiu-jitsu instructor came from Brazil and he had a, a letter of recommendation from Hoyler Gracie, who's a famous like coach, fighter, you know, competitor. Um, and he like watching him go through that process, it was like four years and like $25,000 invested oh, wow. for somebody that has a clean background. They're coming here to like start a business and build something and contribute to society. And you like watching just the bureaucracy and all of the cost and the people that are just making money pushing paperwork along the way through, it's it's really frustrating. So people say like, oh, I just I'm against illegal immigration. It's like, okay, it sounds like you don't have any firsthand experience and as to like how just you know monotonous and and bureaucratic the actual immigration system is. Yeah, right. absolutely. And again, politicians think if to in order to curb the illegal immigration, they just got to halt immigration altogether. Yeah. They don't know that's not how it works. Le there are processes in place to come to the United States legally, but unfortunately, those processes are dysfunctional at this point. And um, I, I don't see why it should be that way. No. America is a big country. It's not that you know, uh, allowing people to come here and contribute is going to hurt us. That's not true. It's the exact opposite. You see, you just look at this event. How many people do you see that come from different parts of the world? In Rapid right. City, South Dakota. Like, it's crazy. Right, uh, but right. it's beautiful. It makes our events very nice. And that's, uh, that's the beauty of living in America. I was able to meet some people from Brazil, from Australia, from India. I, w I was never able to see that many people in one place in nowhere in the world. And that's what makes America really beautiful. Right. And so we kind of talked when we first met. Um, you're working, you're here with Young Voices. And did you just kind of naturally gravitate towards the liberty movement? I know we talked a little bit about how I consider Ayn Rand a reactionary. So do you consider this kind of your reaction? Or did you just kind of naturally fall into this community? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Iran, and uh, yes, we discussed that a little bit. I kind of feel like my story parallels a lot with hers. Mm -hmm. uh, living under a government where I felt suffocated a lot, and then 
getting out of it, being conscious of what what I got out of and what I'm gaining, my freedom right. uh, that I'm actually entitled to uh, as a human being. Uh, so when I first came to America, I, I had certain sets of beliefs that yes, I. I'm against government taking away my rights. Uh, I was already very pro Second Amendment because love I lived, that. Yeah, because I watched people without arms in front of a government with arms getting shot. And uh, one of the first lessons I learned is when you take away the guns from the people, that's when they can get oppressed and their rights will immediately go. Correct. And so, uh, to me, that's just common sense. I don't. That's why it's just such a moral issue for me that when someone is like, "Oh, I don't think we should have guns," like that's that's just crossing a moral line for me over there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so having those values, um, I started studying at Pierce College, mm -hmm. and then I met another student who was talking about literally the same ideas in one of the classes and I talked to him I was like hey I think you and I are you know thinking about the same stuff what are you doing he said yeah I'm trying to like start a student group and um, get some like-minded uh, students together to talk about ideas of liberty and that kind of resonated with me a lot so that's how I started with Young Americans for Liberty at first and then I was able to meet Rand Paul, Ron Paul. I had the opportunity to intern for Congressman Thomas Massey uh, in Washington, D.C. And then when I started studying at UCLA, majoring political science, international relations, I was able to kind of polish my ideas and values and just learning more about politics, the world economy, and all these things. I had the privilege of learning from some of the best professors in my field. And then later when I graduated, um, I started working for Young Voices full-time. Now I am constantly training and motivating young individuals who are interested in spreading the message of liberty through uh, different media, like publications, podcasts, radio, TV, and all sorts of things. So so I actually haven't heard of Young Voices. Like, what is the... God, these flies here. There's like two flies that are wreaking havoc. But what is Young Voices like niche? Because there's a like you mentioned, like kind of similar to Young Americans for Liberty, but different. Like what is their what is their role? So Young Voices is a nonprofit talent agency for um, liberty-minded um, individuals who are interested in becoming writers, pundits, influencers. So kind of like how Hollywood actors have agents to get their yeah. roles and okay. stuff. Yeah. That's, That's cool. what we do for them. We help them get their op-eds published about a variety of issues. We train them to get on podcasts, TV, radio. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great place to be if you are a young professional in the liberty movement okay. and kind of trying to figure out what is what is going on where you want to end up even if you don't want to become a journalist afterwards after our program is over that's fine at least you have published like several bylines in some of the yeah. biggest publications in the country so people typically come to you or do you guys kind of like not not recruit but you kind of find people and then make connections you like put them you connect them to like places where they fit in really well like if somebody's a good on economics you'll connect them to a publication that is like you know an economics publication is that basically how it works so um it, it's kind of both of those things uh we first have an application process we accept around 30 40 um individuals uh each time each six months through our application process or our contributor program and depending on their individual needs and fields of expertise in their interest areas um 
we place their publications and their media hits around. So if someone is interested in writing about foreign policy, then we'll, for example, connect them with Real Clear World. We edit their op-eds, we do all the placement. We offer all of those services to them for free because they're really? part of our program, yes. That's really cool. Yeah, that's why we're a little selective with our cohorts. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you do it? You do it in cohorts? Yes, we do it in cohorts. And uh, again, that doesn't mean that after six months it's... Oh, they're just done. No, we promote. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we promote them. Uh, then they can become associate contributors, and then for another six months, and if they're rock stars, we can again keep them around as senior contributors. Uh, we also have fellowships for individuals who are interested in doing a project on a certain thing. So if you're interested in tech policy, you can actually do a, a research paper. We connect you with a mentor, okay. and we give you all the budget that you need for your project. So they can actually get paid to do like write a research paper, kind of like what Think Tanks do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we also have a podcast accelerator program, which is really exciting. If you want to launch your own TV, uh, not a TV show, your Twitch channel or your YouTube channel, or if you want to launch your own podcast. So we help you from A to Z, everything you need, from technical training all the way to helping you to kind of come up with great content. Uh, we also offer that support if individuals are accepted into our uh, podcast accelerator program. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. You're like the you take the baby bird and you kind of chew up the worm and put it in their mouth until they can fly on their own. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful metaphor yeah. I just came up with. I'll take credit for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know I would actually end up in the world of media. I actually yeah. started with Young Voices right after I graduated from university, and they helped me to get my first piece published. Uh, it was about the Prime Act. Uh, it's about that's what yes. Massey's working yes. on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. guys know it. Yeah. And and my piece was tweeted by Senator Paul, by Congressman Massey himself, by Congressman Chip Roy, literally anyone who was sponsoring that bill at yeah. the time, because it was a big issue. We were facing a meat shortage across the country. But thanks to Young Voices, I was able to not only write about that issue, but they helped me to get it published. And also then I got that publication out there to the legislators themselves. Yeah. So that that was a pretty cool accomplishment as a new. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you're making me question my any accomplishments I have right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, I had a meme one time that got like 600 retweets, you know, so I got that in for me, which is nice. Yeah. But um, so speaking of the Prime Act, um, I remember this, like, Thomas Massey it, it picking up some steam, especially on social media. Yeah. Whatever happened to that bill? Did it just get shot down? or? So he just reintroduced it in the new Congress, and okay. it's picking up uh, co-sponsors from everywhere yeah. democrats and republicans yeah and it's, it's a hard thing to be against it's, i know, you know I mean? right it's, it like, seems like a no-brainer right. exactly but unfortunately there are a lot of uh, special interests on the k street that are preventing this bill to get through congress yeah these um meat companies are extremely powerful and they don't want to lose their monopoly and they have that monopoly thanks to the federal government yeah and the yeah. small guys can't compete and that's why we face all the meat shortages during COVID. big agriculture is the enemy Absolutely. It, there's a lot of cronyism going on there. We, we did an episode a while back on that. And the more I read, there's just the more sick to my stomach I got. Right? And like, I don't expect it. You know, even like the food pyramid, like they were just poisoning us. Like, yeah, you can have six sandwiches a day. You're good. It's healthy. You know? <laughs> Mostly bread. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just have some bread and then have some pasta and then have some cake for dessert, but only one piece of cake. Yeah. As long as you're counting your calories, just go all you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's really cool. Is there... Uh, so you said it's more geared towards like young, you know, aspiring professionals within the liberty community. Is there is there an age limit? Yeah. So 
as long as you're between the age of 18 and 35, you can be part oh, of our program. Oh, sweet. Tyler, you got some time. It's The clock's ticking, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in business. Yes, you still have it in you. Yeah. Um, just, I want to, so when you first came here, and I, I love to ask everyone that immigrated to the U.S. this question, because this is peak Americana culture. What was your first experience at a Walmart? At oh, a Walmart. that's a good question. So when I first went to Walmart, my first experience was so many overweight people. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, obesity is a big problem in America. It's a, yes. And it's just insane compared to other parts of the world. Like, I had never seen, you know, that many obese people, and that obese, just in general. Had, it was like a wonder to me. Had you ever seen a motorized uh, scooter, or as we call them, rascals, where people <laughs> ride yes, around? Yes, I and, did. You, I mean, I did you, like, before you came to the U.S., oh, did no. you ever see a single one? No. So that's a uniquely American vehicle. I call it a vehicle. Cause yeah. yeah. It's a vehicle. But, yeah, Walmart, I mean, you get in there. They, they people like you need to get past them and they have no feel for where you are there's no like oh pardon me you know that never happens you'll never hear like excuse me in walmart so that's i like that question but i would have guessed that would have been your impression so that's that's good to hear. yeah see in america if the cops come and pick you up in broad daylight it takes two cops to get you in the car yeah <laughs> it really does yeah that's we, we, funny um but that was my first impression but then uh I lived in a very rural area at the time uh, in Georgia, so a Walmart was like the only thing within like 30 minute drive that I could go to. So it it was like the only shopping experience yeah. I had yeah. for a while. I was like, wow, yeah. look at all these clothes. They're so fancy. I like this jacket, you know, like Walmart jacket. Yeah, yeah. It was like, that was like also another impression. Well, it was probably like really refreshing first getting here and like getting to wear whatever you want, you know, like. I can't, I can't imagine, like, how liberating that would feel. Yeah, so, also, I just want to touch on that real quick. Uh, as I mentioned, my family, were, they were educated. Like, they had a good job and all these things. But still, we had to be very, very frugal because our economy was really bad at yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. Our money was extremely worthless. So my, I watched my family getting poorer and poorer over time, although they were educated part of the society. Yeah. For example, my dad, if he was in America at the time, like he would be working in Silicon Valley. He's, he's an right. engineer. Yeah. But in Iran, even though he had a great job, but still, like he wasn't as, uh, you know, like it wasn't as cushy as you would think. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't because of the nature of his job. It was just because the economy was so bad that it didn't matter if you were rich or poor everyone was equally suffering yeah, yeah well that's what they really mean by equality and socialism exactly so everyone's equally suffering it really like at that point it just doesn't matter if you're rich or poor yeah you just can't you just can't spend your money in a way that you want because there's nothing out there i remember i had my iphone 4s for six years and Dang. it was like this was like you know so expensive for me to afford and I came to America and I watched everyone just changing their iPhones every year. <laughs> yeah. And I, that was like crazy to me because because of the sanctions that are there. Like it's not that you can change your phone every day. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. There are like shortages in any way. And again, Iran is not a poor country. It's all because of the bad politics, bad politicians. Um, socialism and, all and I'm right. sure the sanctions from the US do not help that situation they do not help the people whatsoever but you don't want that government to have access to cash overseas. yeah I get I get it I know it's uh, complex like there are a lot of different factors involved so 
that yeah. is uh it, i mean it's it's i want to i don't want to use the word cool it's not cool to hear but it's like it's it's very valuable to hear firsthand experience um and uh, would you say that your experience is that Americans, by and large, are out of touch with how good they have it and how much worse things could get. Because I, I like to say that 21st century Americans are the most insulated and coddled and just bubble-wrapped humans that have ever existed. And they don't like they think like, oh, it's so bad. Like, look at what's going on around us. And they don't realize like just even today, like how much better off we have it than everybody. Is that your experience and what you think? Yes and no. Uh, there are. There is a lot of truth to what you said regarding a lot of Americans don't realize how great they have it because they haven't left their own town, they haven't left their state, they haven't gone to even Europe. When you even compare America to Europe, Americans are way more prosperous than many Europeans. Yeah. Or they think that, oh, we're not as prosperous, we, wanna, we should become like a socialist country where everything is free. They don't understand that literally what they have right now is like the most amount of wealth that any nation has. Yeah. The per capita income in America is like way more than any other country in the world. Right. Even if you work a minimum job here, you're able to afford a decent life. You can have an iPhone, you can have a computer. Yeah. Right. That's right. not the case in any other country in the world. But at the same time, I've never seen anywhere in the world like people actually really understand and care about what is going on around them. Americans do care. Right, Look at right. you guys. You're super young and you're here. You are really like you're talking about these things. You're sure. talking about ideas of liberty. You're here at this convention to talking to all these people and, you know, doing your project and informing the world about these things. I mean, this this is this is America. And right. there are a lot of people like you guys that actually speak up. And I know Americans complain a lot on both yeah, sides yeah. of the aisle. Like Republicans complain yeah. about Democrats. And I love that. You know, I don't like people to be complicit. Right. And unfortunately, in other parts of the world, where when people see their rights are taken away, they might nag for a bit and then they are just like, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. normal. It's just what it is. I guess we just deserve it. Americans don't put up with it. And that's why we still have our constitution in place. I understand that politicians have you know, rejected for so many years. They've tried to light it on fire a few times. <laughs> yeah. Or use it, it as toilet paper. Like but the, the big ideas of it still stand Yeah, up. but people still go out there yeah. and participate and they right. fight. Yeah. Right. And we, get angry. We, we do have a, a natural rebelliousness in American culture. Exactly. That's, that's a very good way to put it. And I do appreciate that. And I try to accentuate that. That's why I had a lot of Saturday schools when I was in high school. Natural rebelliousness, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I guess I guess uh, complaining was the a sloppy word to use. I think like complaining in terms of like their material comfort. Like they don't realize like you know they want like the enhanced unemployment and extra stimulus checks and that kind of thing. And to that point, I think we. Well, are that's human nature. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But yeah. um, I mean, so Tyler, is there anything else you wanted to? to cover um, yeah. So I. What do you see for yourself? Because you know I'm a little bit older than you, so like it's it's really like awesome to hear like younger people that are just getting out of school. It's he's a baby face. I know, right? Good good genetics, good genetics. Um, But you know it's really refreshing because like you hear all these horror stories about college campuses, and it's like oh god, like you know, and and it really is like terrifying. But like you know you're you're getting out of school, you're doing big things. You've already you know you're getting articles published. So as you continue your work with Young Voices, like what what's next for you? 
Well, you gonna write a book? Yeah, that's something. I've you should always, write a book. Yeah, um, I started writing my first no novel when I was eight years old. It was about a jellyfish. So I would love to continue writing, um, and I would love to write a novel one day and just tell my story of how this happened, kind of like what Iron Rand did. Yeah. Uh, I, I look up to her in some ways, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate. She has a great pen. She writes really well, and. That's one thing I've think, thought about, and I would love to continue supporting um, content creators in the liberty movement as best as I can. Again, I, writing is my passion, and I want to take it to next steps if I uh, one day can be a writer of a movie or yeah. a writer yeah. of a TV show. That's, that's, that's going to be a really great goal. Or yeah. if I end up writing laws as well as a legislator, that's also cool. So I'm open to future possibilities, and I'm glad that life took me so far. Yeah. And um, I'm open to whatever comes next. But definitely there is going to be a lot of writing, whatever comes awesome. next. I feel like that is really important. I feel like there's a complete lack of, like, not, not even, like, I, I don't want to say libertarian fiction or conservative fiction or whatever, but just, like, those values. Because that, that makes it sound like it's propaganda. Like, you know, Ayn yeah. Rand. You could say, like, oh, Ayn Rand's kind of propaganda. I mean, I think that's maybe not a very accurate word to use, but I feel like that we haven't really seen that since Ayn Rand, like sort of an, an ideological, uh, like, you know, fictional work, because that really captures people, like yeah. fictional stories, you know, so that's cool to hear. Like stuff George Orwell writes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. like yeah. I, I yeah. think that sometimes that can actually deliver the message better than just, like, picking up, like, you know, human action. Yeah. And, like, if you hand that to anyone, they're like, I'm not going to read this. But if you <laughs> hand them a novel with, like, you know, putting the ideas but in a story, yeah. I think it, it'd be more receptive. I've, I've had people that definitely disagree with me on politics. I had, uh, I had them read uh, We the Living by mm -hmm. Ayn Rand. Because wow. it's, like, it's a good story. Mm -hmm. And they, were, they loved it. But, like, if I was to sit there and be like, you know what, the Soviet Union sucked, and this is why, and they'd be like, in one ear, out the other. They wouldn't care. So yeah. I think that's in a, a very underrated means of delivering a message. Absolutely. Humans love storytelling. That's how our culture and civilization began. Yes. Humans started storytelling from day one. That's how religion started. And everything else, theater, art, music, it was all storytelling. And um, I, I, I'm a literature major, uh, and I've done a lot of reading and writing different languages. Uh, and so I, I understand that there are many elements in collective human mind that makes them understand these ideas and values. And it's just the means of communicating them to them one more time and telling them why those values are important. So I totally agree, storytelling and putting it in different words and maybe like drawing a picture of what those values are is, is what we need as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to make this like a partisan issue, but I think like the people on the left since since the beginning, I mean, look at all the writers. I mean, a lot of people on the left are intellectuals and writers. Yeah. And that made a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, they own the culture. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even uh, in Iran, we have uh, literature is a big thing in Iran. Like we love reading and writing books, sure. and poetry. So, and it, it, literally anything I read in the past. Like any literature in the past hundred years, right. it's written by the commies. Yeah. So, and they're great works, you know, yeah, wonderful, sure. and they tell <laughs> yeah. the stories of, you know, this 
uh, farmer who's running away from uh, the government who's like prosecuting him because you know he doesn't and he want uh, they want to like take away right. his freedoms but he they tell it in a way that is sympathetic to the communist values right, right. well I mean the story is great but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like the, <laughs> the values that people are taking away aren't—it's like you know, right. Your diagnosis is right, but the prescription's wrong. Exactly. Like, yep. Okay. I get yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, I mean, we went a, a little bit longer than I expected because we got carried, we got sucked into the conversation, having a good time. But uh, Tamina, anywhere you want people to find you, how to find Young Voices? Yes. Uh, so you can find Young Voices uh, at www.young-voices.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at D-E-T-A-H-M-I-N-E-H. And I would follow you back, too. Right on. All right, Tyler, anything you want to close on? That was great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you guys. You, so you guys have been, you know, stopped over to your guys' booth several times. You guys are a lot of fun, great people. So keep yeah. up the good work. Thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.